Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Regina Curtis. She is an artist, a soul wisdom mentor, and an interpreter of spiritual languages. Good afternoon and welcome, Regina. How are you? Thanks, Brad. I'm great. Thanks for having me on your show today. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm really excited about having you on and sharing all about the beautiful light that you put out into the world through the beautiful work that you do. So thank you for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you making space for it as well. My pleasure. So as stated, you are all of these things. How long have you been an artist and what set you on this path of creativity? How did your journey into being an artist begin and what is your area of expertise in art? Is it painting, drawing, sculpting? What is it? So I've been an artist my whole life, although I did not identify as an artist until fairly recently, which is a bit funny because I actually was an art teacher and still didn't really identify as an artist. I went to art school, didn't really identify as an artist. And it wasn't until I started unlearning all of my formal education and really just letting myself play with my creativity that I finally found what felt like my groove and my identity as an artist. So my expertise or my specialty is an intuitive art. And the mediums that I use are mixed media. I do a lot with watercolor. So watercolor is the, the main material that I use. And then I mix in some other things. And my training, my formal training was in fiber arts. And so that leads right into my next question, which is a perfect segue. What are your thoughts on, and I already think I have an idea about this, but I'm going to ask (laughs) anyway. I think I know where you're going with this. (laughs) What are your thoughts on formal educational training for the arts? And do you think it's necessary or are you of the mind that you don't need to have any kind of training per se as an artist? So I think it depends on what you want to do with the art. And I know we'll probably get into this a little more too, but art and creativity are not the same thing. Right. And so, as I said, it was when I really got to play with my creativity, when I got to really lean into what was naturally wanting to pour through me. And that is when I found my identity as an artist, using art materials as the medium. However, sometimes, and oftentimes, actually, I've seen this in many of the people that I know who are trained formally in an art education, that actually gets in the way of your creativity because it gives such a sometimes constricting structure through which to experience it. And so 
if you're wanting to hone a particular artistic skill or learn how to work with a particular medium in a particular way, then art education is fantastic for that. However, I really feel like a balance of both is important and that you can learn things through creative exploration and play with these materials that is sometimes even more often more rewarding and you come out with some cooler results than if you just only go into it through formal education. Yeah, you can color outside the lines. (laughs) Yes, please do. (laughs) Encourage it. Encourage it as a matter of fact. Now, I hear a lot of people say that they don't have a creative bone in their bodies. It's just not who they are or within them. What do you say to people who say that and what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I call BS on that because (laughs) I'm keeping it family friendly here. No, you can swear. It's okay. Okay, perfect. Because I swear a lot, actually. So that was. (laughs) You're clear. It is not true. It's just absolutely not true. Because as humans, creativity is our our superpower, our innate superpower. And I mean, the way we are created in the world, the way we are birthed into the world comes through creative energy. And it's that spark that creates life. And that can come in any different form. And I know we'll probably talk about soul wisdom language in a bit here, but it's really, I see these two things, they go hand in hand and it's how your soul communicates to and through you that helps you, what's the word I want to use, connect with your Mm -hmm. creative power. And sometimes that creative power comes in an artistic form. And sometimes it comes through a connection with nature or a connection with people or a connection with food. And so you can be creative in so many ways without being artistic. With that being said, if you are interested in developing your artistic skills, you absolutely can do that. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different forms of creativity. Like you said, you could be a creative chef. You could be creative yes. with accounting for fuck's sakes. You could, yes. like, there's so many, sometimes so to many, detriment, sometimes to benefit. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But there's so many ways that you can create or that we can be creative as human beings. And it makes me laugh when I hear people say that they don't have a creative bone in their bodies. And then of course they go right to, well, I can only draw stick figures. And that is not your creativity. That is an art skill. It's an art form. And ironically, I find this to be so interesting and almost always true. I've taught a lot of workshops that incorporate creativity. And it's almost always the person who comes in and sits down and says, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I'm not an artist that then produces some absolutely amazing shit in the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're like, That's amazing, and it's because they're not necessarily, like I was talking about earlier, they haven't necessarily had that formal training, and they get to just play and be free with the materials, and through the lens of formal art education, that may be seen as a mistake or not Mm -hmm. having a particular understanding of a medium and how to control it, and yet it's actually through not controlling it that they come out with these amazingly beautiful things. Well, I think therein lies another issue when it comes to adults and releasing that belief or those, what's the word I'm looking for? That conditioning around art and that it has to be perfect and it has to be this and it has to be that. And whereas with children, I think they just let go and 
create whatever the fuck comes through and they don't care how it looks. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be messy, but it could also be beautiful. Adults have a huge problem with that. Right. We've conditioned that right out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I was an elementary art teacher for some time and I've taught art in some way, shape or form to individuals from almost infants. I had a toddler one classroom one time. I've had a lot of different careers (laughs) and then I've also taught it to, I think maybe women in their 80s and so the whole spectrum and it's interesting to see kind of this curve that happens of really being free and playing with the materials to express something that's coming through sometimes absolutely pure emotion just like I love using finger paints with Mm -hmm. kids and adults actually to just Mm -hmm. get your hands in there and and create some really cool things Eric Carl is one of one of the artists that I really admire for doing just that and yet there's this kind of this midpoint between, I'd say sometime in your mid twenties to probably around 50 where people mm-hmm. just get so critical of themselves and they're so withdrawn. And yet then when they're given permission, given this space to really show up and create, they just, they go crazy <laughs> in a really beautiful way. I'm just going to go nuts with this and it's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. That's the key element is to realize that it's fun and just let it go. Just yeah. see what you can create. Yeah. Where do you pull your inspiration from when you're creating your artwork? So I, because I work in, intuitively, I pull it from my soul wisdom. And sometimes I create what's called a soul wisdom compass. I can tell you what more about that. Yeah. And those are artworks that are intuitively channeled other people. And so I connect with their soul wisdom for that. And then sometimes I do messages that are universal. And so I pull from universal wisdom. But when I sit down to create artwork, it comes through either one of two ways. Sometimes I'm there to just play with my creativity. And that comes from this sense of wonder and curiosity of what does this do? How can I do it this way? Other times when I'm doing that intuitive artwork, I really am listening. And so I listen and I listen with my eyes, with my ears, with my body, just with my inner knowing. And so I listen to what wants to come through. And sometimes that comes through in uh, a particular color becoming more vibrant and calling my attention. And so I choose that and then I listen again and then I get an action and I take that action, which is very different from when I sit down to create something for the purpose of making art, which may Mm -hmm. be, oh, I have a vision of something that I want to create. And so then I'm pulling inspiration from something outside of myself. So those are two different things. I'd say the majority though of now is I really, I love being in that space of listening and creating, allowing it to create through me. What would you say then is your favorite thing about being an artist? I think it's getting to explore And bring into physical form the way that I experience the world. I've always had this multi-layered sensory experience where colors speak to me, sounds speak to me, the elements speak to me, and I can see them almost. I like to use the example of if you've ever seen a conductor's score, I played in the band, I played the flute, and... I had one piece of music that had a particular, it was my individual piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so my music sheet had my piece on it. 
but I have always really experienced the world like a, the conductor score, which has all of the pieces <laughs> and yeah. you can see them all, how they're harmonizing and how they interplay. And when one is resting, the other is playing and there's this kind of overarching rhythm to it and this magic that happens. And that's how I have always experienced the world. So it's through artwork that I feel like I get to bring that into a form that others can experience. Love that. That's a great analogy. Thank you. How do you deal with creative blocks? Because we all as artists get them. They all come up from time to time. So how do you deal with them when you get them? And what have you found helps the most when those blocks come up? I definitely do. And I have a a brief story that I can share that actually is a great example of it. So I mentioned earlier that I didn't identify myself as an artist for a long time. I saw my sister as the artist in the family, my older sister. She's amazingly talented and she is a very skilled artist. And so I had that same kind of, you know, you were saying people come in and they're like, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I was always the the sensitive one, the dramatic one, the kind one, the all sorts of things. But it was that artist label was my sister's. And even though I went to art school, I taught art. And I've worked somehow in a creative profession, education and creativity together in some way for in a formal career for 20 plus years, I still never identified as an artist. And it was because I was really blocking my own creative energy. So I had a moment, I call it my (laughs) crazy professor, evil genius kind of moment in 2020, where I had been hearing the whispers of my creativity really wanting to come through. And one night I just, I had taken some classes and I had started playing more with my art supplies and allowing myself to just be in that space and and play and make a mess. And one night at two in the morning, I couldn't sleep. I was just wide awake and filled with all this energy. And I started pulling out old journals and cutting them up and painting on them and pasting them onto old paintings and mixed media pieces. And I just let it explode. It (laughs) really looked like there was an artistic explosion in this room. (laughs) And then once I got that all out of my system and I, I was literally cutting things up, tearing things apart, putting them back together in these pieces that didn't make any sense at all. And that was the moment where I had a huge turning point in my identity as an artist, in my work. I feel like my work became so much more honest at that time. And even my partner came in into my office the following day and was like, first of all, what happened in here last night? And second of all, where did this come from? Because it's so good. Uh-huh. And so that was that moment where I got through that block and that creative block had been there for years And it was really just allowing all the shit to flow out of me. So when you come up against a creative block, the best thing you can do is just dive straight into it and let all of that resistance, all of the whatever you consider to be the crap to pour out of you because it's on the other side of that where all the magic happens. That's an interesting perspective because I've asked this question of many artists and a lot of them say, walk away, step away, don't push through because when you push through... (laughs) that's not going to be in flow. Like the creativity is not going to be in flow. So very interesting that you chose and you choose to push through and just keep going and just let it flow out of you in that way. Yeah. I wouldn't use the word push through because that to me 
means push through. It, it comes from your mind. It keep trying to do the same thing. Instead, it's actually allowing it all to just explode, right? Mm. Maybe not keep working on that same piece that you're working on, but go over here, throw some paint, go outside and make art with water on the sidewalk. I've done this thing where you smash flowers. There's something, it's a release. And so mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a push. I feel like push is a very specific focused energy, yeah. but it's more about just ex expanding, dive into it, get mm -hmm. uncomfortable with it, let it all come out of you. And then, yes, that's when that magic on the other side, that inspiration will come in. So oh just a, a slight refinement. I love asking this question of artists and creatives <laughs> and hearing different people's thoughts on this. Now, as a creative yourself, and I think about this a lot, do you think that we are all born with innate creativity? And I think about there are some people out in the world who are just born with that. It seems like they're just born with that natural ability to create, be it the Beethovens or the Van Goghs or the Eddie Van Halens of the world. It's like almost like they came out of the womb with a paintbrush or a guitar or whatever their instrument is of artistic talent. And yes, of course, they still have to practice. They have to hone their skills, but it's just like they're born with this, like they're of another level. You know what right. I mean? Like to have this talent of another level. So I'm curious your thoughts on, do you think that the people like myself or say like you or the regular beings, we'll call them, <laughs> do you think they can ever achieve that level of artistic skill and competence, like that reach that level of like Jimi Hendrix or someone like that, that, to obtain that kind of skill level if they practice and if they work at it. Do you think that's possible to get so, to that level? I'm going to answer this in kind of a contradictory way. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. And here's why I say that. You can do anything that you put your mind to. If there's something that you are holistically dedicated to and you make it your life's passion to create that thing, you can, you can move mountains. So if for whatever reason, like you did not come out of the womb with that ability and it is just your life's passion to make that happen. Yes, I do believe that you can achieve great feats with that. However, the no part of that comes in that there are, so this is where I, I, I really want to talk a little bit about your soul wisdom language. Mm -hmm, and so your sure. soul wisdom, it's how your soul communicates to and through you. And there are five different channels, thinking, images, movement, emotions, and sensory. And you have a unique recipe of these five channels that makes up your particular soul wisdom language. And for someone who is highly artistically skilled, innately, comes straight into this world with that ability, <laughs> they're probably going to, if it's somebody who's artistically talented in the visual arts, they're going to have a high competency or high fluency in the images channel. For someone with music, it may be a combination of sensory and emotion. So depending on what that is, if you allow that specific thing for you, to be your life's passion and you are celebrated in that there's space for it. You see a lot of times when people come through and they're like, Oh, they're a child prodigy and their parents and their community make space for that to mm -hmm. be cultivated and honed. Then that, yes, you're going to reach these feats of Beethoven and all the masters that we can yeah. think of and name. 
So those people who really dedicate their life to something, they can reach high achievement. The but there is that there's probably something else that is actually more aligned for them that is still going to be pulling their attention. It's still going to be pulling towards them and feeding from. And so they're constantly working against that natural flow. And so, yes, they can achieve greatness. However, if they really lean into the thing that is true to them, then they can achieve mastery. And and Mm. I think that's a difference. Okay. I love hearing other people's opinions on that. It's something that I think about quite often. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. You mentioned you were an art teacher. So this was in your previous life. What was the catalyst for taking the leap into entrepreneurship for you? It was kind of a long and windy road to get me there. Although the first time I took an entrepreneurial journey, I think I was about 10 years old. So it's been always, and this is not uncommon, right? It's probably every entrepreneur you've ever talked to. My first business was a lemonade sand or it was whatever. I was a door-to-door salesperson at 10. I used to get my mom to drive me around and I made commission on the things I sold, which is hilarious because I actually hate the sales part now, but I was super confident in it when I was 10. I don't regret any of the things that I've done and I've made kind of this pathway through. And there are certain things that I'm so thankful that I've experienced because it's helped me build up certain skills. But ultimately in 2017, I really had a, I don't even know if there's a word that can express it fully, but it was a, just a knowing that I was at a turning point where I needed to learn how to work with my intuition in an intentional way, or it was going to consume me. It was just this knowing of I'm at this point where it's it's do or die. I figure this out or I squash it forever and I lose a part of myself that is so essential to who I am. And so I followed that wisdom. It was uncomfortable in a lot of ways. And also it definitely cracked me wide open in ways that I'm so grateful for. So I, at that point, started to build what would become at Matri. It took several years for that to happen. And as things do happen in the universe in these magical ways, I submitted, I had been working, creating, kind of figuring out what it actually was that I was doing. I was doing a lot of initially Reiki sessions, and then that turned into intuitive sessions. And then I wove in the artwork and then I wove in all these different things. And then I had this moment of clarity and I had a name. I came up with the name at Maitri, which means kindness towards your soul in Sanskrit. It's a combination of two words that I put together. And I submitted my application for my LLC. So I got the paperwork on February 18th of 2020. And by May, I had been laid off from my corporate job hence COVID. And so it was like this kind of, oh, you are ready to do this. Well, here you go. It's time to fly. (laughs) So yeah, so it was kind of like years of resistance that eventually I allowed myself to soften into and surrender to, I guess, and then leap head first. (laughs) (laughs) Forced, kind of pushed a little. Yeah, I was pushed and I was like, okay, here we go. Free diving. This is it. As mentioned, when we began, you were our soul wisdom mentor. Can you explain what a soul wisdom mentor is and the work that you do with your clients as a soul wisdom mentor? Yes. I love the work that I do. It is 
definitely what I'm meant to do and what I've been trying to figure out for my whole life. I essentially help people be more them to embrace their weirdness and take all the bits and pieces that they are and weave them into their business. So that business is supported by their life and their life is supported by their business. Honestly, work-life balance, I feel like it's a complete sham. It's not something that exists and it's something that we, especially as entrepreneurs, are never going to achieve if we think of it as this equals that. Work, life, being equal and balanced, that's not going to happen. It's really more about creating a sustainable ecosystem that supports you because you show up in all those places. You are your life. You are an expression of yourself in all of these realms and your work is an expression of you. So what I do is I help people to interpret their soul wisdom language and align with their soul, with their natural rhythms and cycles, celebrate their creativity. So I bring astrology, creativity, and intuition together into one container to help you do just that. Beautiful. Now you've chosen to use the word or title mentor as opposed to coach. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and take on the differences in your mind between a coach and a mentor in terms of how you define them and why you've chosen to use that title or label of mentor. Absolutely. So a coach in, in, so I played sports in high school and I imagine my coach on the sidelines, she played, I'm thinking soccer, soccer was my main, I played a lot of different sports, but soccer was my main one. She had played herself. She had a lot of understanding of the game. So she had played the game. She knew, she knows how the game is played and she would watch and see what strengths we each had and what we could bring to the game. And so she would create a strategy for us to play out. But ultimately when the game was happening, she was on the sidelines. She was there to help guide and coach us, but she wasn't necessarily on the field with us. And a mentor, I really feel, is someone who has played the game and is going to get right in there with you and be in the game with you. It's someone who is going to share through stories from their life, from their lived experiences, and then help you find the thing that is correct for you. So it's not about me giving you a strategy and you playing it out. It's about we're going to walk together, we're going to take this journey together, and we're going to figure it out what's best for you. I love that analogy. That's a great analogy. I've never heard it explained that way. Thank you. How long have you been a mentor and what inspired your journey into becoming a mentor? Again, I think I've been a mentor my whole life. (laughs) It's played out in several different forms. So in my corporate career, so obviously as a teacher, that's a form of mentorship. When I was in my corporate career, I was a supervisor. I loved mentoring new employees and bringing them in, but really it took more of the form of like training and development. But ultimately I've always been that person. I've always been a mentor to someone. I've always had someone in my life that is someone that I'm walking with through a journey. And when I finally decided to allow myself to do that as my work, that was really freeing. So, and that's really what happened through my journey with my intuition and leaning into my own gifts and learning how to be present for that. I see patterns and I see distractions and, you know, how I said that there's, I see the world, I experience the world like a conductor's 
score. And so when something is happening, I find this to be true that often when I'm speaking with someone and something really important comes up, something that's really meaningful, sirens will start blaring. (laughs) There'll be a tow truck going by outside. Sometimes the internet will shut down. There's all sorts of things that happen. So it's interesting to me that when you asked me that, suddenly my voice was like, got really small. So I'm going to use that information and kind of allow myself to lean into what that means for me. So I haven't always felt like my voice has been able to be heard. I have, this is the real answer. So you notice my voice gets a lot clearer now. My voice hasn't always been able to be heard. I I was raised as a middle child, but I also am an oldest child. So my father's oldest, but my mother's middle. And there were a lot of times that my voice got lost growing up in the corporate world I was celebrated for my creativity via innovation and being able to create new products that could sell lots of programs and make a lot of money for the company. But when I showed up in polka dots to a meeting, it was frowned upon. And so that's really why I do what I do is I didn't always feel like it was safe for me to show up fully as myself. And especially not in the space of business. Business was serious. It was meant to be a particular way and you had to squash who you were to show up fully in that space and be respected. And that, again, I call BS on that because it's really actually when you show up fully as yourself, when you can be clear and confident in who you are and what you know and how you know it, then that is when your magic is really everyone's benefited from you showing up in that way. And so that's why I do what I do. It's me using my experiences in that to help me come to the table and really understand what people are going through when they feel like they're not bringing their full selves to the table and allowing their magic to come through. So that's why I do what I do. It's when you're able to show up as authentic you that you're able to shine your light and affect other people. Yeah. That's what it's about. And so what occurred then, was this part of the occurrence for you to get on your spiritual path and do the work that you're doing then? This occurrence of your voice being silenced or quieted and you just realizing, you know what, no more. Yeah, honestly, I never really saw it that way until you just said that in this very moment. Because yes, what happened is I realized that it was time for me to empower my intuition and not to allow myself to keep trying to squish it. I was working in a corporate space and I, again, I was, my job was to create new programs and new experiences for people. And I needed to be fully in my both intuition and my creativity and bring those through in order to create these programs that people actually wanted to come to. Yet those parts of me were being squashed and The more it got squashed in that realm, the more I leaned into it in my personal life. And this is where I learned that work and personal life, they're not separate. But the more I then allowed myself to explore it in my time off from work, the more it would just pour out of me at work, the more I would show up actually as myself. And the more I was respected at work, ironically, I started making more money than had ever been made. Things just started to dissolve that were frustrating situations that I'd been in for years and they just cleared right out of my way in a way that was totally unexpected and I never would have asked 
for specifically, but when I went to my Reiki training and that was what came to me when I really started to make that, I made a decision that I was going to learn to work with my intuition. And when I made that decision, Reiki is what came through to me that this is where I need to go. And I searched for a practitioner. I live in Chicago. I searched for someone and I saw this one woman was offering a session on my birthday. And that to me was a clear sign that this is it. This is my gift to myself. I'm going to do this. And what happened in Reiki is not through this person, particularly just within the world of Reiki. There is a, okay, how do I put this? When I would allow myself to truly show up and allow the energy to come through me, what you're told often is that you are a channel, you show up, you just, you put your hands out, you open the channel and you let it come through you, but not that you're specifically to share You might get some insights. It can help you direct things, but it's really not about telling someone what's coming through. Mm -hmm. But what happened to me when I opened that channel is all this information came through. I saw visions of things. I would see colors. I would know things and squashing that, not letting myself speak those things when they came through was again, it was me, not my voice was being squashed. And so I transformed and I stopped. I didn't, I went all the way through, I'm a Reiki master teacher in three different lineages. I did the work. I showed up. I kept trying to find my place in that. But while I was trying to find my place in that and trying to find my place in the corporate world, neither of them, I wasn't finding my place because I wasn't being true to who I was and what I specifically do. So when I put down the labels and I let myself just show up and I was like, I do intuitive work, you show up. We have a conversation. It's going to be you and I just have a conversation and I'm going to just share with you what comes through and you share with me what comes through. That's when things started really shifting. And then eventually it was less about me using my gifts to tell you about what's coming through and more about me helping you figure out how to do that for yourself. And that's what I do today, which is what I love. The power of authenticity. It's stepping into who you truly are and stepping into your power. It's a beautiful thing. It It really really is. is. Yeah. I'd love to speak a little bit about your work you do as an interpreter of spiritual languages. Can you share with us a bit about that? And is this like light language or? (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. So the term, it's on my website, right? Where you found that interpreter of spiritual languages. So I, I had my website revamped couple years ago. And the writer that worked with, I gave her a bunch of text and she used the person who uploaded everything. She used that term and it didn't, it didn't quite sit with me as like, I don't know, is this really the term that I want to use? But it didn't, I wasn't guided to change it. And so it's something that I've sat with for a while of what does this actually mean? Because it did feel true and yet I couldn't necessarily articulate it at that time. So I really love that that's something that stood out to you on my website Mm -hmm. and that you're asking this question. So yes, I do channel light language. It comes through in my artwork and it comes through vocally. Interpreting it. So I want to talk about the difference between interpreting and translating. Mm -hmm. Translating is taking one word and translating it literally into another language. Interpreting is understanding what you're receiving and then 
what's the word I want to use? Hosing it almost. So you're interpreting the meaning of it, not necessarily yeah. taking it from one form and moving it into another. So yes, I do interpret light language. I do interpret astrology. I interpret soul wisdom. I interpret nature, the seasons of nature. These are all things that I would consider to be spiritual languages. They are languages that are not necessarily spoken word always, or that are using the same glyphs <laughs> or, or images or symbols to communicate. So yes, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do you incorporate this part of the work that you do as a mentor with your clients? What does that look like? So I do it in a couple of ways and some are a little bit more specific and then others are more of a we just dive into it and see what comes through. So one of the ways is that I do interpret astrology. So I don't consider myself an astrologer, but I am a student of astrology and an interpreter of astrology. And so I actually work with astrology in a way that's different from really anyone that I've ever encountered before. I work specifically with the houses and interpreting how each of the energies in those houses and also in the planets and how they're positioned are an expression of a particular seasonal energy. So I, again, like I said, I see these kind of layered ways of things happening and coming together. So there are certain energies that you feel and see and that are present in the seasons outside in nature. You experience those seasons also, and sometimes at the same time as nature, sometimes differently. Those seasons are also present in the cycles of the moon. And so I can see how these are layered and interwoven with each other. And so I interpret that to help you find tangible ways to work with that. So that's one way. Another way is the soul wisdom compasses that I mentioned. So I connect with clients, and this is something that I do as a one-off. You can purchase it through my Etsy store, but it's also something that when I work one-on-one -on -one with you as a mentor, I create for you a soul wisdom compass. And this is a channeled artwork that is the response to a specific question or an intention that you set. So if you're working with me for a full year cycle to chart your course and create your plan and, and work through using that astrological framework that I was talking about, then at the beginning of your year-long journey, you set an intention or you ask a question. Usually you would set an intention and ask a question, actually. Right. And then I tune in to the energy of that, and I channel through an artwork for you that becomes a soul wisdom compass. This is an artwork that has layered meaning, and it recalibrates with you with each move that you make so that you keep returning to it and finding meaning in it that unfurls with you. It's both an image that comes through as well as a channeled written message. So those are two of the forms. And then the other way is to work with your soul wisdom language. And that is really how those five channels, thinking, images, movement, emotions, and sensory, how they work for you specifically, how you receive through them, how you express through them, so that you can learn to interpret your own signs and confirmations from the universe, your body wisdom, all of these things. And then we weave those together. That's one hell of a process. It, it is. I know it really is a unique combination of my gifts. And one of the things that I've struggled with as an entrepreneur is there's so much advice about simplifying and, and creating your niche and making it so specific. And I'm not simple 
or <laughs> or streamlined. I've found ways to make that a present part of my work. I respect it and I understand where that's coming from. And yeah, it's just that is how I see the world. And so I think that the people who I'm meant to work with and who enjoy working with me also have these layered aspects of their personality. Yeah. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do, Regina? Getting to see people connect with their own magic. Really just getting people, seeing that look on their face and that excitement when they go, oh my gosh, this is what I do. This is how I do it. And it's just, it's so fun. And I think there's a little part of me, there's like an inner child in me that's just so excited to see it every time. Love it. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? So it's a series of people that I would say it's probably the, the way that I would word it is the people who've hurt me the most. And it's because every time I've experienced a particular relationship where I just feel like I've been destroyed by that relationship, it actually is leading me to something that has like a beautiful part of myself that I haven't honored. And so I wouldn't say it's one person in particular, and I would say it's many, but those people have really transformed me. And for that, I am deeply grateful. Well, it's all of our experiences that shape who we are as human beings. So thank you, people. Thank you, people. For for shaping (laughs) Regina. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think it is my ability to, or my willingness, I think, to jump in and begin without all the information, to just follow that intuitive guidance that I have with what some would call reckless abandon. (laughs) Well, there are those people who plan, plan, and then they end up not doing anything, right? They just wait and wait. Now's not the time. There never will be a perfect time. You just got to jump in and do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's my Aries rising right there. (laughs) That's a great superpower. (laughs) Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? So success to me is an energy. It's something that I feel in my body. It's when I feel fully present in gratitude for wherever I am in that moment. And I think success is so often seen as a set of circumstances, but I can feel successful in completing, I don't know, sometimes take out the garbage and you can feel successful. (laughs) So it's something that I just, it's a feeling that I feel. And when I feel that feeling, I know it in my body. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? To be fully me. And before I learned it, I was constantly looking for validation outside of myself. The big problem with that is that no one was going to validate all of the things that I needed validated all the time. And once I realized that showing up fully as myself is really my only job here, then I just, I have this knowing. I have a knowing that... I'm doing what I need to do and being where I need to be and I'm valuable and valued. And it's all the things that I was looking for in that external validation that I was never going to find. 
that external validation requirement all part and plays back or goes back to the conditioning, the societal conditioning, parental conditioning, all of those things we all have ingrained in us. It's, yeah. it's a tough thing to, to break out of and shift. But once you do, it is so freeing. It's liberating. Yeah, it is the most liberating and blissful experience I think you can have. It's just, yeah. Powerful. I agree. What does the word empowerment mean to you? I love this question. Okay, so empowerment, I'm a bit of a nerd, if you hadn't recognized this yet. (laughs) (laughs) In all the senses of the word, too. So I really love neuroscience and quantum science. And so I've done a fair amount of studying of the brain and how the brain works. And this started really when I was a teacher and I wanted to learn more about my students and what was going on in there. (laughs) If you've ever been a teacher, you also know exactly what I'm talking about. But what I learned is I've learned a lot about our nervous system and also your subconscious and your conscious brain and how those work. And so empowerment to me is when you use the power of your conscious mind to make a change or shift something in your subconscious mind because you are empowering yourself. This is probably not the conversation you've ever had about this. No, um, no. It's not a definition necessarily, but it is, it's how I understand what empowerment it is because you are finding that power from within to create something in the way that you truly desire it to be. And you're using your own wisdom, your own body, the, the magic that is who you are in all of those senses to create that existence. Love it. That's powerful. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. that You're welcome. You're like, okay, yeah, that was a weird No, answer. I love it. That No, that's a great perspective. Something different. Yeah. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Yeah. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Demystifying Magic. What is your personal motto? I have two. Life is an adventure. Enjoy the journey and stay curious. What was your dream job as a child? <laughs> to be the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I got well, that. You are the, that's I right. am I was the just boss. Gonna say, there you go. Yes. You achieved your dream job. I did. That vision you had as a child. How would you describe yourself in one word? Multiplex. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? I don't think it's written yet. However, the song that I would choose today would be Looking Out My Back Door by Credence Clearwater Revival. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Embrace your weirdness. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My tenacity. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly (laughs) scheduled program. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? I think always ask. And I think there's two things. One is that always ask. I can come back to if that is actually, I'll just say it now. I learned through a very challenging situation that I had at work where it constantly challenged me to ask for something more than I was willing to ask for. And I was surprised every time and how much people came through and responded in a way that I didn't expect. So that was one. The other is that your value is not determined by how much money someone else is willing to spend to receive from you. And that was a really big one. 
Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? I think that something that I've been surprised by is that I actually have really started embracing the concept of consistency. And this has been unfolding over many years, but I really resisted things that felt constricting to me. And so the word consistency or regularly, things like that, really I shied away from. But what I realized is that only is the case when I'm doing something out of alignment with what it is I really meant to be doing. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Don't dye your hair purple. People won't take you seriously. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, can I elaborate on that a little bit? The thing that I realized is that I don't want people to take me seriously. I want them to respect me. And those two things are very different. So it was in a corporate environment that I was told that. And I just remember. Of course it was corporate. Of course it was, right? And about two years after I got that advice, I did dye my hair purple. And I dyed it purple when I showed up. I was working remotely at that point. And I came in for our holiday party where all the VPs and presidents from all the different places in the world were all on site and I went big and I was just, fuck it, I'm dying I'm here. Yeah. And, and it was so funny because they all just looked at me and were like, huh, okay. And that was it. I'd been working there for years. At that point, they either respected me or they didn't. And the color of Well, my hair- they know who you are. The color of your hair doesn't make a damn difference as to whether you could do your job or not. Exactly. And it should never have, but. No, but that's corporate and appearances and all of the things, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? I would say my ongoing relationship with money and yeah, with money. I mean, I grew up in a very poor household and have had many challenges with that over the years, but each time I wrestle with it, it, I come out so much stronger. The winner. I am victorious. I am victorious. (laughs) Yes. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? My grandmother, because I miss her. Plain and simple. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Don't let anyone dim your light that you are powerful and that may scare some people, but those people probably need to experience it the most. Love it. Lastly, Regina, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would start by saying to be kinder to yourself, to stay curious and weird, dream big and take action to fulfill those dreams and be the beautiful embodiment of love that you came here to be. Love it. Beautifully said, beautiful way to end the interview. Thank you so much, Regina, for being here with me today and sharing a little bit about your story and your journey and all of the bright, beautiful light you shine out into the world through the work you do and through the woman that you are. I appreciate you and I've enjoyed every moment of this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. It's been a real delight to be here and I just really appreciate you creating space for this conversation. Thank you. It was my pleasure and my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Regina Curtis. She is a soul wisdom mentor, an artist, and an interpreter of spiritual languages. Thank you so much, Regina. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Bye. 
Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.